0: This past Thursday evening, we opened St. Martin's Chapel from 5 until 6.30 for folks to stop in for prayer and to light a candle, to just be present with their faith community in the wake of so much recent violence in our country. This is the fourth time we have done this in my two years at St. John's. And sadly, we could have done it many more than four times. Sitting in the chapel was a balm for all who came in. And many of you have shared with us that you prayed along with us, even if you couldn't be there physically. It was a balm. And it was also a feast for the senses. As we prayed for those who have died, for those who have been so desperate and misguided as to perpetuate violence, as we prayed for our legislators and for what feels sometimes like a battle for the very soul of our country. We prayed in confidence and in protest, protest against the rising tide of paranoia and fear, we prayed with the doors open. We prayed with the doors open and our backs to the street, trusting against all evidence to the contrary that we were in a sanctuary. My friends, sometimes coming to church is a revolutionary act. With those doors open, the world came in and met us. It was a feast for the senses. You could hear the things you might expect, the creak of kneelers as the faithful pulled down those ancient kneelers in St. Martin's and knelt in prayer. You could hear the baseline of a passing car's stereo and the rattle of a ladder-laden work truck. You could hear a coach's whistle and shouts of encouragement. There's a back-to-school picnic happening in the lot at Mori, where many of you may have parked this morning. You could hear children's voices calling out to friends they hadn't seen all summer. And you could see the familiar faces of the faithful who worship with us week in and week out. And some unfamiliar faces. Some may have read about the prayer time on Facebook or simply walked past and been curious about open doors. And always, I'm entranced by those faces of the angels, bowed in prayer and worship, that surround Mary and the infant Jesus above the altar. And you could smell the exhaust of cars on a warm and still Denver evening, wonderfully mixed with the scent of candles being lighted by the faithful and burning in a votive stand. It's hard in St. Martin's and in here, in the cathedral, not to be aware and in awe of the decades of prayers that have been said in these holy spaces. The faithful have gone to their knees in lament, in fear, in gratitude, and in hope for over 100 years in this space. Our prayers always join theirs. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews saw this same connection, reminding those to whom he wrote that they were connected to a long history of faith, reminding them of the faith who all who, of all who came before them and helped them accomplish what they needed. By faith, the Israelites passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, Rahab did not perish. Kingdoms were conquered. Justice was administered. Lions were pacified. Strength came out of weakness. All by faith. By faith, we came together in prayer on Thursday. The passage goes on to list other faithful who suffered, were mocked, flogged, and martyred. What I appreciate about this text from Hebrews is that it doesn't just say that if only we have more faith, we can do anything and everything, that life will be simple. It is not a prosperity gospel kind of message. It also does not glamorize a life of suffering. Simply stated, life can be difficult, and a Christian life is no exception. But a Christian life is lived by faith. The writer of Hebrews then shares some thoughts on how to live by faith. I always appreciate instructions. <laughs> Recall who surrounds us, that great cloud of witnesses made up of biblical giants mentioned in this scripture, portrayed in these beautiful windows and even in the f- carvings behind me at the high altar. We are never Praying alone. We have this rich history, the decades of witnesses who have prayed in this very space and who are praying around you right now. Remove what weighs us down. Trust that by faith we are forgiven, redeemed, and renewed and live as if we believe that. Rely on strength that is within us, run with perseverance the race that is set before us. And always remember who goes before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. As Broderick has stated in a previous sermon, he's not a fan of sports analogies, and I'm with him on that. But I read something that fascinated me about thinking about the race in the context of this passage and others by Paul that make a similar connection between living a life of faith and running a race. There is perhaps no other sporting event that allows all level of athletes on the same course, at the same time in front of the same cheering crowds. A road race can have a world record holder and a relative novice competing at the same time. The corollary that was offered was that none of us would ever expect to walk onto a tennis court with Serena Williams. We all run the same course whether new Christians or lifelong. We are all surrounded by that same great cloud of witnesses, and we are all looking to Jesus. We are all doing our personal best to live by faith, whatever that looks like for each of us. Living by faith fuels our fire to run the race. It fuels our fire to show up, whether at a prayer vigil or in a polling place. Living by faith gives us the courage to kneel with our backs to an open door, believing that there are still places of sanctuary and that fear and paranoia cannot and will not win. Living by faith invites us to use all of our senses. And living by faith ultimately means inviting the world in through our doors.